Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Prepare for Impact podcast. I am your host, Connor Bland, and this week, uh, myself, Lydia, and Jeff are coming to you from Cathedral Ridge Retreat Center here just outside of Woodland Park. So we are outdoors for the first time uh, this season, and so we're, we're excited to be talking about the settings of discipleship, and we'll kind of talk about what that means. But for now, we hope that you guys stay tuned and join us. All right, everybody. So here we are um, sitting underneath this beautiful uh, tent, like kind of like a carnival mm-hmm. tent thing out here. Uh, With all the flies. There are tons of flies. So if you hear a fly or two during the episode, please don't mind. And Unless they have something reasonable to say. Yes, yes, of course. So so this week, the, the three of us are up here. We're having a pep is what it's called. It's Jeff, why don't you tell us why, why are we here at Cathedral Ridge? Part of our member care program is to have our furloughing missionaries, the ones who are back on home assignment in the U.S., go to be with us at a retreat. And it's sometimes is a forced thing because, you know, missionaries, when they've got like three months to be in the States during the summertime, don't want to spend two weeks of it with you or 10 days of it with you necessarily. <laughs> but it's a great time of just rest and renewal. And uh, they, they, we basically do three sets of, of debriefings. One is a peer debriefing with other missionaries. One is a corporate debriefing where they can tell us everything that's wrong with OC, which ah. is, is great. Or they can say good things too. <laughs> and then one's a family debrief where they get to debrief with their kids and hear what their kids are really saying. Um, and so it's, it's just really a, a neat time together, a lot of worship, a lot of fellowship, a lot of good food. And just being outdoors in a place yeah. like this, it's a great uh, location here at Cathedral Ridge. Yeah, yeah. And so for, for our purposes here for Prepare for Impact, we were like, hey, an opportunity to have a place where there's no echo and <laughs> some bird noises and fly noises in the background. And wind. And wind. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool opportunity for us to be able to be here as a team. And, and, uh, and it's only about, what, a 30, 40-minute drive from, from town. So it's... It's pretty nice. So we wanted to talk a little bit about the the settings of discipleship and the and what that kind of means for us. Like a few different ways that we see uh, between co- cross cultural and the numbers of people and how Jesus discipled. So one of the one of the first things we wanted to talk about was kind of how Jesus had three sort of main groups that obviously could be broken down as far as number of people. So he had one on one discipleship with um, some of his disciples. He had two or three, and then he would have large group kind of discipling times where he was preaching. Right, but would also, so it still falls under the umbrella of discipleship, we think, in a way. And we wanted to kind of break that down. So, Lydia. Yes. What do you think of, so like when we start talking about the one-on-one discipleship side of things, like how Jesus discipled some people individually, and I know you have a lot of experience with young people that you disciple one-on-one. So what, what does that look like for you? It depends on the means of when it happens. If it's through Bible study, if it's through just meeting somebody at church and we hit it off and they're like, I have a lot of teen problems. I'm like, great, let's talk about it. I usually, when you have the chance to have a conversation about it, sometimes that's when it happens. Something I love to do is bring my husband along and we kind of treat somebody like they're a family member and make them dinner and 
mm. talk about life because a lot of young people don't get that. And so that's one of my favorite ways of doing that, of just being hospitable and mm. loving them that way. Um, but even talking about culture and discipling, even discipling young people, I'm not technically a part of their culture in the sense of I don't know exactly what they're going through, even though I've it's only been like 10 or so years since I've been in high school. Mm-hmm. It's still a different world from when I was in high school. So I'm always trying to have the position of being a student of theirs more than me teaching them because I need to learn where they're coming from too. And so one-on-one I think is usually my sweet spot or small groups. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love being able to do that, but um, it does depend on how, but I think there's a lot of freedom to be able to do that in different ways. Yeah. And I think for me, I have a, as far as the two or three, or, or like a small group, if you will, you know, like on uh, Thursday mornings, uh, a group of usually three or four of us decide to go to coffee at like six, seven in the morning uh, before work, before all of us have to go to work. And we just get together and talk about life. That's kind of the, the discipleship side that's more than just, it's more than, than just like a Bible study or more than like a small group context that a lot of people think of when they think of like a church small group. So for us, we just like get together. Sometimes we talk about stuff that's really personal, really deep. Sometimes we talk about things that are like Google is sponsoring weird space satellite program things, right? You know, like super weird stuff. But I think that, that that's really important for me and my friends that, that we're able to come together and, and forget about the fact that we have to go to work and get up an hour early that some of us would already be up an hour early, but yeah. <laughs> we need to give it a little break, huh? Small gust break. <laughs> gust of wind break. Gust yeah. of wind break. So, so Jeff, then that leaves the, the large group gathering as, as you are the man, the myth, the legend of leading <laughs> worship and I'm yeah. sure teaching every now and then to larger groups of people. I wouldn't say like thousands, but maybe you have. Not thousands, I don't think, um, unless over media somehow. No crusades. But uh, no, no crusades um, <laughs> of any kind. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I would wanted to bring one thing out that you guys have already kind of mentioned that I think uh, sometimes we forget, and that is the importance of actually getting into someone's space. You know, I mean, mm. whether it's... Uh, actually a physical location or whether it's understanding where they're coming from, like, you know, mm-hmm. their, their culture, so to speak, mm-hmm. whether it's a, mm-hmm. an age culture or whether it's a, a different culture altogether. But um, as far as location, but I, I, I think that's so critical because if you don't, if you don't have that kind of background, if you don't do your homework to really understand where someone's coming from, it's going to be difficult to help take, take them someplace else. You know, because you don't really know where they're starting at. So I think that's a really critical thing. And I think that's important, too, in larger groups. But with larger groups, you don't have that opportunity. So you're automatically put at a disadvantage Mm -hmm. in the discipling thing. Uh, You're not speaking to one person or two or three people. You are broadcasting out over a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And yes, you know, anyone you talk to that's going to, you know, be a guru of public speaking or performing or whatever, you try to 
visualize in your mind that you're actually just performing for one person, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, or you're speaking to one person because that makes it much more personal. You know, you're, the way you shape your words, the way you, the things you say, the way you say them uh, all come out more personal. And then people in the audience receive it personally as if you're mm -hmm. talking directly to them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've been in, you've been in uh, church services or concerts or, or things like that, where the, the, the speaker or the performer is saying something and you feel like they're saying it just to you. So mm -hmm. it's like, wow, how did they know that about me? Yeah. You know, well, I think there are two things there. One, the speaker is trying to speak personally, like to one person, and that's why you feel it that way. Mm -hmm. But also, the Holy Spirit's at work, yeah. and so I think when when you're when you're in large groups, you tend to have to lean almost completely on what the Holy Spirit's going to do in that group, mm -hmm. and you also have to realize you're not going to have the same impact on everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some people you're going to have significant impact because they're just connecting with you, but other people, their minds are other places and they're just not going to get it. Yeah. So I think you have to adjust what your hopes are for those events. Mm -hmm. uh, and then again, just totally throw it out there uh, on God and on the Holy Spirit and just say, hey, whatever happens here mm -hmm. is is what you do. And I, and I know that's true of one-on-one -on -one and, and, oh, one, yeah. and small groups too. It's the same. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can it's read just, your audience but better. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, you just can't, you know, when I'm up there leading worship or whatever, there'll be certain people that I'll look at and go, wow, you know, this is it. You know, we're yeah. connecting. This pe person's really into it or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, or the spirit's really moving here. But then, you know, half the other people are looking at their phones or, yeah. you know, right, I'm going, right. okay, okay, nothing's really happening here. But yeah. but you never know. You just mm -hmm. don't know what the Spirit's doing. So. Yeah. yeah, I think I've taught before and definitely not thousands, maybe like 20 people max. <laughs> but it's the same thing where you have to walk in with the idea of if one person hears whatever the Holy Spirit's trying to say, then it's worth my sacrifice of being oh, yeah. up here. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's, but that's also the same with, one-on-one -on -one discipleship like my sacrifice of time and just the emotional energy it takes to pour into somebody else mm -hmm. um even if they don't get it you just pray that those seeds that you're planting yeah can be watered down the road or yeah. whatever the god the right. god's the one right. who ultimately waters yes. those and, and yes. is the harvester of that you yeah. have to be faith you have to have the faith in that that man especially with young people a lot of the time you have to just hand that off to say, like, I'm probably never going to see the fruit of this. Yeah. But it's still worth me putting in the time and the energy for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so as, you know, as we kind of talked a little bit about the numbers, then we kind of want to reference the fact that there is a cultural element to all of that, which we've touched on a little bit, but that uh, you, you have a lot of examples of people who are in the same culture, so like your friends here, or and even there can even be like Lydia was referencing, like you and a teen, like there is a different culture entirely for a teenager, which is why even though if you have really young parents, like they can feel like they understand what you're going through, but things change so rapidly, especially in the information age that we're in, mm -hmm. as far as what is what's trendy, funny, what's funny, what's, what yeah. isn't, you know, like rap music versus, know. you know, like fruit salad. And, uh, <laughs> I tried to be... Well, we were talking about the OG yesterday. The, yes, the yeah. OG. So as we talked about those kinds of things, we we were... Um, yeah, it, it's it's really hard to talk about discipleship anytime without talking about the, the importance of, of cultural input into that. So you've got 
people your same age who you disciple one-on-one, you're living life together, like that's your same culture. That's the pure discipleship that we talked about with like iron sharpening iron. Right, last week when we were talking about Proverbs 27 and 17. So we, we have that kind of context. And then there's your culture versus somebody else's, whether that is somebody... Who, who lives in the same country, so like total context as far as where you live geographically is probably very similar, but different culture as far as different age group, maybe they grew up as a different religion or a different denomination of Christian faith, like that, that those things can have a huge impact on the, the, the view of your cultural um, input, if you will. So then outside of that, then we also have just an entirely different culture geographically and total language, language, everything. So like when you go on a short term or a long term mission trip to another country and you want to disciple people from that country, there's a huge difference in in the culture, cultural context that comes with that. And I think Jeff has an example that he wanted to share about uh, about that pertaining to that. Yeah, you know, and. There are so many things that pertain here to to trying to disciple cross-culturally when you're in another country. You know, one is language. So language usually is created out of history. And, and so you're, you're dealing with stuff. You're dealing with idioms you don't even know. So, so, so you're dealing with, with things you don't, you're, you know, with phrases you're not sure you know. And especially if you're on a short-term trip or you've only been there a little while. You know, you, you don't know the history, you don't know the culture, you don't know where things have come from. You're just kind of, it's like you're shooting in the dark, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you have no idea what's happening. Yeah. So I, I think if you're going to get involved in discipling cross-culturally, whether even if it's in your own culture, but with someone from a different culture, but certainly if you're in a different country and a different culture, you have to take some time to get to know that language, to get to know that culture, to really have an effective discipleship mm-hmm. uh, design or, or model that you can use. Yeah. So so I, I think, you know, one of the stories, I, I was, I'm doing a devotional and the devotional is written by an Indonesian guy. And, and you know, and I, I grew up in the Philippines. I, I ministered in Latin America. So I, I kind of have a little bit of, of either the Latin, the Latin side of how they think and the Asian side of, of how people think. And it's a little different than what we do. But as he was looking at uh, this one passage about being indebted, don't be in, indebted to others, uh, I always think of that as, you know, either financially or, you know, mm-hmm. like don't take out a loan or something like that mm-hmm. uh, from somebody because, you know, then, you know, they have power over you or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but his view of it was totally different. He felt that he did not want to allow anyone to do favors for him because that would make him indebted to them by that favor. Mm. And, and, uh, and, you know, he's exactly right from that cultural standpoint. Latin cultures feel that way too. In fact, one of the things that you do in a Latin culture is to do favors for other people so that when you're in need you can call on those favors. Mm. And if you remember Jesus' parable Mm -hmm. about the wise steward, which we would read that parable and go, whoa, that guy, that that doesn't sound very good. But what in Jesus' culture, where he's saying that this master is going to fire his, like, Mm -hmm. you know, main guy. And uh, so the main guy goes out and and cuts everybody's debt, you know, and, and does all these things because he's doing those favors 
because then it builds up these opportunities for people to take care of him after he gets fired yeah. from his job. Yeah. And, you know, in that context, for us, that, we, we miss the whole meaning of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But from, a, from an Asian or a Latin context, they get that totally because that's, that's probably what they would try to do to make sure they would be cared for after, mm. after losing a job or whatever. So, so we look at those things totally differently. And if you don't catch that cultural difference when you're trying to disciple someone, you're going to be talking about some certain passage of Scripture or something that Jesus did from your context but they're not hearing it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So it, we just need to take some time to really dive into how people think from another, from another point of view. Yeah, and, and one of the, the last points I wanted to make was about the, the way in which kind of OC has their mission strategy, if you will. So like OC, the way in which since the beginning, since Dick Hillis went to China, China, um, so many, so many years ago, um, the the way in which OC has has y- utilized this whole or or kind of solved the problem. I don't know if it's solved the problem, but it's it's trying their best to avoid the problem of cross cultural differences when it comes to discipleship. Uh, is is that the way in which OC operates with with any of their missionaries is that the goal is to train locals on the ground to be able to disciple, to be able to minister, to gain the, the knowledge, the teaching, whatever it is that they need. OC's main goal is to provide those resources to those people in their own culture so that they, with that cultural context, to, to minister to others. And I think OC has seen amazing fruit from that when it comes to instead of trying to go as, and, and this is becoming more of a more of a topic that a lot of churches and even mission organizations are talking about now, um, but that the American culture uh, is not is not supreme, right? So we can't just go and say, this is how you disciple your people. This is how you, you know, this is how you minister to them. This is the exact message word for word. We just printed it out. Here you go. Like, it's, it's that easy. No, it's not. So that's, that's kind of one of the the big things that I that I always see as, as setting OC apart is, is just the fact that it's all about training up locals to be able to minister in their own community, which I think is what missions should be and I think is becoming more all about. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, let us let us know what you think. I mean, we have uh, we've we've talked about a lot. It's a lot of download of information. Uh, we wanted to thank you guys so much for listening to us this week as we are out here remotely. Thanks for bearing with uh, some of the wind noise. We'll see uh, how, how bad that translates as I'm editing this later. But thank you all for listening, and we hope to see you guys on Monday for a Liar Liar episode of The Sip. Hey, <laughs> bye. Bye. No, you're not. Let's just get an old testy testy. Test one, two. That's maybe a little hot. What? What? Lift Lift him up. up. (laughs) Jamoop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.